Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 11 of the podcast. I am so excited because Niners football is just three days away. The Revenge Tour is three days away, and a 1-0 start to the season is three days away. Today's podcast is loaded. We're going to preview the week one matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, the expectations for the rookie class, and how important is it that Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo get off to a hot start before we bring on our guest for today, and trust me, He's a good one. The Niners have some housekeeping moves today. We got some injury updates on Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk did not practice today. That is Wednesday, September 9th. Jason Verrett is also out of practice. Not sure what his status is for this weekend's game. And Ben Garland will be limited. Of course, we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to get further updates. On top of that, the Niners named their team captains for this season, and they are as follows. Tight end, George Kittle. Quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. Left tackle, Trent Williams. Linebacker, Fred Warner. And cornerback, Richard Sherman. On top of defensive lineman, Eric Armstead. Love to see the captains we chose this year. A lot of young guys, a lot of core talent. Only one brand new player that was picked up from somebody else is a captain this year. That being Trent Williams. The rest are returning players. Eric Armstead, a brand new captain this year as well. But let's bring on our guest for today's show. Joining us today, he is the producer and host of the Better Rivals 49ers podcast, Oscar Aparicio. Oscar, let's jump right in to today's show. I have one question before we get into week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Oscar, what are your expectations for the Niners this season and will last season's Super Bowl loss be avenged in 2020? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, my expectations for the, the team are that they're a playoff team. I think they will make the playoffs whether or not they win the division. I don't know. But especially with the expanded playoffs, I think this is absolutely a playoff team. Uh, I would even go so far as to say they're one of the four or five best teams in the NFC. Once you get into the playoffs, it really is so difficult to get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, at this point, for teams that have lost the Super Bowl to go back and win it, really only three teams have done that, uh, 2018 Patriots being the most recent ones. So it's going to be hard for them to get there. I don't think that they will repeat as, as and get back to the Super Bowl. I think they'll probably lose at some point in the playoffs, um, and, and it, just because it's tough to get back. So I think they'll probably end up with double-digit wins, get back to the playoffs. Once you get there, things get a bit dicier, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to get back to the Super Bowl. I think you may have just broken the hearts of every single 49er fan out there, uh, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's look at this Sunday's matchup, week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Since 2015, the Niners are 2-8 and eight against the Cardinals. Last year, that's when they got those two wins, 2-0 and against Arizona. Uh, in Arizona and at home, got both wins. They outscored Arizona 64-51. to and I think the one thing I've noticed, obviously the roster has improved immensely since 2015. You can't doubt that. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback to win any games, albeit two games against Arizona for San Francisco since 2015. We know that was the Gabber, Kaepernick, uh, Hoyer, Mullins, Beathard era of Niners football. But to me, when I look at last year's games, and we'll get more into those in a second, Garoppolo played his best games against Arizona last year. Uh, other than the New Orleans game where I think he outdueled Drew Brees. 
But I think the biggest story when we look at last season is the injuries that the Niners had in those games against Arizona. The the Niners had uh, George Kittle, he got hurt in the first game, missed game two. Kyle Juszczyk missed game one. Mike McGlinchey, Joe Staley, Joe Staley missed both games. Okella Witherspoon and Quan Alexander on top of DJ Jones all missed time against Arizona last year. My question to you is, knowing those injuries, how much of last season's games versus the Cardinals should factor into how we talk about this week's matchups? I think the part that you should kind of continue on is just the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is a really, really good game planner, or at least he was against the 49ers. When he started attacking the 49ers defense, what he, what he did was he really attacked them at the edges with the passing game. He had a lot of screens, a lot of short passes. He basically was forcing the team's coverage defenders to go out and do their thing. And Richard Sherman, you know, did his thing on, on one side, but it really wasn't an easy proposition for the 49ers to continue to make those kinds of tackles and continue to get stretched out and then get hit with Kenyon Drake along the inside running the football. He, yeah, this is part of what Cliff Kingsbury does. It's what he wants to do. It's why he's run most of the, the four wide receiver sets in the NFL. He likes to, str- to spread your defense out horizontally and then attack. And, and that really showed and had some success against the 49ers defense. They had one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, but it didn't look so good against the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that part of it, you should definitely uh, continue forward and say Cliff Kingsbury probably has a couple of other things up his sleeves to be able to try and attack that 49ers defense. I do think that overall, you're going to look at Kyler Murray. You're going to think to yourself, okay, if he can take a step forward, you make Arizona a bit more dangerous. Um, I I don't know if he is going to step forward. He's got some trouble from a clean pocket. He does a little better kind of running around, but it's the running around which gets him in trouble. And he's been charged with a, a whole bunch of sacks Uh, as a player based on just him running into defenders it's never a good spot to be in as a quarterback Um, so I think overall you can absolutely carry some things over and I do think it's going to be a tight matchup for the Niners I don't know that it's going to be I think the spread right now is at six I don't know that they're that they're easily going to go in there and win by you know seven eight nine ten points um, especially with some of the talent infusion that that the Cardinals have but I, I would expect a very fun game because I think it's going to be Uh, It's going to have some offensive fireworks. When I look at last season's games, I think one thing that sticks out to me is kind of the difference in game one versus game two. Both games were closer than I think Niner fans would like to admit. Obviously, injuries, not having guys like Kittle and Juszczyk, and even the offensive line wasn't that healthy, although Skewell played a really good left tackle uh, in replacement of Staley when he got accustomed to it. But when I look at game one, and, and you talk about Kyler Murray and his ability to get out of the pocket, Maybe not always the best choice for him, but in game one, the Niners held him to 34 yards on the ground, and 21 of those came in one play late, uh, I think in the third quarter. The Niners also totaled three sacks, and I think did a great job containing Murray on the game, Thursday night football, on Halloween night. When you fast forward to game two in November, Murray was almost a different quarterback entirely, probably because he had more time to prepare and got more accustomed to the Niners scheme on defense, but... He was phenomenal in zone read runs, uh, 67 yards, one touchdown, 8.8 yards per carry. The Niners did get those four sacks, probably because, like you said, Murray does tend to run into either his own line or defenders a lot. But it seemed like Murray, the Niners were having a hard time containing Murray in the pocket. And to me, if the Niners want to win on Sunday, they're going to have to contain Kyler Murray. They have to find some way to funnel him into the teeth of the defense and contain his explosiveness. 
especially with guys like Kenyon Drake in the backfield, uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. So my question to you is, Quan Alexander missed Game 2 against the Cardinals last season. Do you think having a healthy Quan Alexander, who is a lot better in pass coverage than, let's say, an, an Al Shahir would be, do you think he may band-aid the issue or fix the issue, or should San Francisco legitimately be worried about Kyler Murray's ability to escape the pocket? You know, I don't know that they should be worried about his ability to escape the pocket as I would be worried about their ability to handle him on design runs. So you mentioned something that was really important, and that's going to be the design run versus the scramble. When it comes to design runs, the Niners haven't always been the best at, ta- at really tackling quarterbacks where you've got a zone read on the backside because of the way they choose to play it. They, sometimes they choose to scrape, but a lot of the scrape a linebacker over the top and kind of switch gaps with the defensive end. In some cases, though, they really ask their person to squeeze the, the defensive end, squeeze down, and then react to the quarterback and, and react based on what it is that they do. In, in instances where they're asking their defensive end to squeeze down, Murray is just really, really fast. And, and you, I don't know that someone like an Eric Armstead is going to have the speed to, to go up against Kyler Murray. I think Bosa may have the explosiveness and the smarts to do it. Um, but part of what gets them in trouble sometimes is on those exchanges, having a safety not fill correctly or having a linebacker not do it well. So I, I do think that how if they're going to see a lot of actual design run from Murray, that could be something that would throw a wrench to the 49ers and the 49ers defense, because especially if they're going to have their defensive linemen kind of stop and read the quarterback, that's what you don't want the defensive line doing. You want Bosa, you want Armstead, you want D Ford to scream and just fire off the edge and go right to Murray. And, and when they're stopping and they're reading, that's not what they're doing. And so if they, if they do some exchanging and they do swap, swap some gaps, now all of a sudden you are putting a bit more pressure on the linebackers. You are putting a bit more pressure on the safeties. I, I do think that it's something that they'll probably have to prepare for, but not something that they would worry about too much. When it comes to, to, to scrambling around, I think that's where you get more into the 49ers wheelhouse. They have athletic defensive ends. They've got athletic linebackers that can come up. It is always going to be a threat, but because the Niners play so much zone and less man, I don't know that it's going to be as threatening as teams that are man heavy with their backs turned to the quarterback. You spoke about design runs and how Kyler Murray is better uh, or more suited to be uh, a a design run type of player and not more so a scrambler. Uh, When speaking about design runs, let's shift to the running back, Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Uh, The first game against uh, the, the Niners on Halloween night, he torched them. Uh, in total, over the, the two games they had last year, 177 yards and one touchdown. Uh, the week, the, the second game against them only had around 67 yards. The Niners did a much better job in uh, containing him in the run game. Uh, but when I look at Arizona, I think of DeAndre Hopkins is now outside uh, and a slightly upgraded offensive line. I wouldn't say it was a massive upgrade. They have some young guys on the outside now. Uh, but, but do you think stopping Drake or... Here's my, my, my real question to you is, what is more pivotable, stopping Drake on design runs or Kyler Murray? Um, I think if, if the Cardinals are going to go in with a heavy design quarterback run package, um, it's probably going to be a, a bit more of, desi- of stopping Kyler Murray. I think stopping the run is really going to be secondary to the other player I think that's going to be more important is that's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. How the Cardinals actually deploy DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is going to be really important because they've got legit weapons now on the outside. I mean, you've got Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that's going to be more of, of the issue for the 49ers. Uh, I think their run defense is going to be, you know, it's going to be good enough. 
the the Cardinals had a lot of success, and Kenyon Drake was probably their best player in that Week Nine first initial matchup, and they still lost the game. And and you look at the second game, and you know he didn't have as much. Kenyon Drake didn't have as much of a good game, and they lost the game by even more. So the run game is kind of important, but there there becomes a, a place where you you have to rely on the passing game in order to score and put up points, and that's what I think the Niners are probably going to be most worried about. I think in the world where you've got to choose between Murray running the ball and uh, Kenyon Drake running the ball, I'd probably rather have Murray run the ball just because if he's going to expose himself to hits, uh, my dude's not is not super huge. Uh, and <laughs> that's not to say that he can't withstand the rigors of the NFL. I, I do think he can, and I do think he can be a good quarterback. But you know, I'd rather have someone who's you know five eight, five nine get hit than I would someone like Kenyon Drake. So I do think it will be interesting to see what happens there, but. If you're going to choose to put the ball in someone's hands, it may they may choose to put the ball in Murray's hands and kind of live with the consequences. If the ball was in Murray's hands, and let's now move to the passing game. You've mentioned Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald is still there. Incredible career he's had. Uh, and you even mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. He's kind of the, he's probably and arguably the biggest addition to any team other than Tom Brady this year. When you think of you know, top name, he brings some tenacity and skill set that I think anybody would say ranks him near the top of any receiver list. Uh, but I do want to ask you, who is going to be matched up against Hopkins? We know Sherman only plays on one side of the field usually. Are we going to see Sherman and Hopkins kind of lock horns and, and match up against each other? But if not, who's going to guard Hopkins the majority of the game? And how is San Francisco going to try to slow him down on Sunday? This, I think, is going to be one of the most interesting things to watch because you're right. Sherman doesn't typically switch sides. He has in the past switched sides just to throw a different look at defenses and not be so transparent with the fact that they're going to have him stick to one side or move to another. So I do think you might see Sherman move around a little bit, especially if you see Hopkins lined up out wide to the offense's left. I think you might see Sherman move over on a couple of plays just to mix things up. But I think on the other side, it's really going to be Emmanuel Mosley, and that's going to be the person that is going to be on the other outside. But if I'm the Cardinals, I'm probably going to have a, at least five or six plays where I'm lining up DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. Because K1 Williams is a great zone defender, but he's also relatively small. I think he's like 5'9", 5'10", and DeAndre Hopkins decidedly not 5'10", uh, quite a bit taller than that, and his wingspan gives him quite a bit more range. And DeAndre Hopkins, especially if he gets caught man-to-man against K1, DeAndre Hopkins is just a man-to-man killer. I mean, that, that guy is so good in the slot. And so I do think that where the Cardinals move DeAndre is going to be an interesting matchup. But those are going to be the coverage defenders for the 49ers. They, they don't really do a lot of dime. They stay in, in base or nickel, and that's going to be Sherman on one side, likely Emmanuel Mosley on the other, and then K1 Williams in the slot. Do you think because of the mismatch that is just body size, between Hopkins and Williams that we might see guys like Tarverius Moore come into the slot more in game one against Arizona or even Jimmy Ward who while wasn't entirely successful in the slot when he played corner early in his career do you think we might see someone like that who is a more physical presence slide up to guard Hopkins uh, not I won't say playing nickel but in the slot uh, instead of Kwan Williams yeah, I think you might see the person who's probably going to roll down and rotate in into coverage into the slot is going to be Jimmy Ward. It's and and then Tarverius Moore is probably going to play behind him as that free safety. I don't know that you're going to see Tarverius Moore play corner. The the Moore experiment at corner didn't really go well, which is why he is back at safety, and it's good that he's back at safety because he's he's a decent enough safety, and that's what he did well in college. And and that transition just despite his physical profile wasn't 
really, really good for, for him or for the 49ers. So I think if you do see someone move in, you're going to see Jimmy Ward move down. But even then, Jimmy Ward against, I would take maybe Jimmy Ward against Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know that I would take Jimmy Ward against DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that is kind of the effect that DeAndre Hopkins is going to have. So it, it is going to be an interesting battle. But if you're going to rotate a safety down, I think it's going to be Ward and not more. We heard that there was rumors sticking with a cornerback position in the secondary. There was rumors that the Niners may trade Witherspoon. John Lynch shot those down. Uh, Jason Verrett, is, is he out on Sunday? It seems like he, he's injured again, which is never good. But it seems like San Francisco is a little thin. I know... They put a they put Johnson on the the, uh, the it's not a taxi squad but somewhat of a taxi squad where they can bring them up if need be. Uh, but is there some fear that because the Niners have to play Kirk and Hopkins and Fitzgerald that despite having Sherman and Kwan Williams who are two of the best coverage guys in the NFL that they are a little weak or maybe a little thin at corner at the moment? This is exactly why I am kind of you know if I am afraid about this game this is exactly why. You've got Cliff Kingsbury, who wants to spread you out and throw the ball. And, I mean, even you look down the, the depth chart, Andy Isabella had like an 80-some-odd-yard catch that, that really kept the game close at the end for Arizona last year. You've got Christian Kirk. You've got Fitzgerald. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got Andy Isabella. And now you're talking about either a wide receiver on a safety that hasn't played a corner in, in a couple of years, like Jimmy Ward, or you're talking about you know really trusting your zone underneath defenders like your linebackers like K, uh, like Quan Alexander um, and that's going to be you know if Kyler Murray can find the openings in the zone they will be there there will be places for the the Cardinals to eat up yards the question is really going to be whether or not Kyler Murray can find them because you're right the Niners are thin they're building this team from the line back and they think that they can make their secondary look better by making sure that the defensive line gets to the quarterback. And this is where I think Kyler Murray's performance in the pocket becomes kind of a problem. That's the one thing that a quarterback can control. That is the thing that is generally the most stable year to year. It's what can I do when everything around me is relatively quiet? I can go through my progression and I can hit my read. Well, Kyler Murray is not very good at doing that. He's good at lots of other things. I mean, he's got a very pretty deep ball. But when it comes to actually performance from a clean pocket, he was down in the bottom third of the league in terms of passer rating uh, and in passing grade if you're in a, to PFF grades. And, and so that's the, the area where you're going to need to see Murray take a step forward. And if he does, this is going to get real spicy for the Niners. But if he can't, then you may have open wide receivers and a quarterback who's not quite able to get the ball to them. We've talked a lot about Kyler Murray so far, the Arizona Cardinals quarterback going into his sophomore season. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo the 49ers quarterback who, I guess to a certain point, you can say is kind of going into his sophomore season as well. Uh, may, maybe not want to go that far, but it's going to be a second full season in Kyle Shanahan's system. In both games last season against Arizona, Garoppolo totaled 741 yards, uh, 741 yards, eight touchdowns, and averaged a 76.1 QBR rating. He obviously let's say probably wasn't on his game in game two, despite the amazing comeback that it was. You can arguably say it was saved by the defense. Uh, In that game, he did not have George Kittle, and the the rushing attack was almost nowhere to be found in both of the games last season, besides Matt Breida, who is no longer with the Niners. Uh, He was phenomenal in game one. Uh, But I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to continue his winning ways against Arizona on Sunday, and he's going to have another big game, despite Arizona's additions on defense. He knows how to win. He especially knows how to beat the Cardinals, done it twice, done it in some interesting fashion in both times. But if I were to ask you, what are your expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo in 2020? 
and more importantly, on Sunday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I think this Sunday he is going to come away with a victory against the Arizona Cardinals. I do think that what's going to be interesting in this game is I think the Niners may come out with a bit more two tight end set. I think they might try to attack some of the linebackers that the that the Cardinals have. And I know that Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons are going to be players that the Niners are going to watch out for. But the the outside of Chandler Jones, I mean, you've got really some questionable pass rushing. And that means that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have some time. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have some time, then that's when he becomes incredibly deadly. Jimmy Garoppolo from a clean pocket is, is the inverse of Kyler Murray. He's someone who's very, very good. He's a top five quarterback when he's able to control what is around him in a clean pocket. That begins to break down a little bit when he gets some pressure, but when he can control or when his surroundings are controlled, he can pick you apart. And, and I think that's likely what's going to happen against Arizona is, is if he's able to get some time, he's able to do that. And so I think that you know overall, if you, if you take that out to 2020, I, I hope... Jimmy Garoppolo has a better season and and I hope he's got a better season in two key areas. One is that performance under pressure and two is limiting his turnovers and some of those boneheaded kind of throwing the ball to the underneath linebacker types of throws. If he can do those things, then I think that he will have a better overall year in 2020 and the Niners are going to need him to have a better overall year in order for them to even approach the same level of, of success that they did last year. So my expectation for Jimmy is that he is going to get a little better in the offense and he's going to not have as many, um, you know, kind of boneheaded turnover throws, but that overall his performance under pressure will improve as a result of not having as many mistakes under pressure and and that overall it's going to lift his, his overall play. So I think that, that ultimately for 2020, Jimmy Grummel has a little better season, but I don't think he's going to turn into from one year to the next, like, you know, an elite top two, top three quarterback. I still think that he is going to be someone who's going to rely a bit on the scheming of Kyle Shanahan, which in and of itself is not bad. It just means that, you know, there's a really good fit and a good marriage between scheme and quarterback. And I think you need that. Even the elite quarterbacks need that. Like, who is Drew Brees without Sean Payton, right? Um, and so I think that that my expectation for him is that he's going to hopefully have a little better year, which will help propel the 49ers a, a little bit further forward. Um, but but against you know the, the Cardinals, I still think he's going to have a, a decent enough game and the Niners are going to come, come away with the win. Knowing the way last year ended, does Jimmy Garoppolo have to get off to a hot start to the season to erase the memories of the 20-10 to 10, uh, Super Bowl debacle? Or will only a Super Bowl win do that for him? I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo worries too much about that Super Bowl. I think it definitely is something that, that lights a fire under the team as a whole. I think uh, Matt Mayoko and Matt Barrows, they cover the team, uh, one for The Athletic, the other for NBC Sports Bay Area. And they they talk a lot about how the Super Bowl loss is fuel for this team and, and how they're a very fun-loving, gregarious team. But when the Super Bowl gets brought up, they all kind of get quiet and angry. And I think it's it's a positive fuel, but I don't know that it's a get at the back of your head and kind of make you sad kind of fuel. I, I think, Jimmy, that when you get to this level people are supremely confident. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is very confident in his abilities. Um, you can tell by some of the throws that he makes. So I don't know that he's going to need a Super Bowl win to erase the bad taste of this year, but I do think that they are using the Super Bowl loss as fuel to help get them to the Super Bowl once again. 
I think the clip we've all seen, if not 10 times, at least 100 times, uh, was George Kittle saying, I'm going to be back here after they lost to the Chiefs. I'm going to be back with the vengeance. Uh, and his contract was a huge storyline uh, in the offseason, probably the biggest one for Niner fans. Uh, he's the best player on this team. You had to get him signed up. He did get the record-breaking deal. And even NFC West teams made specific moves in order to stop him, Jamal Adams, to Seattle, uh, and the Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons. Maybe not to exactly stop George Kittle, but they did have him in mind. Cliff Kingsbury today said there really isn't a George Kittle stopper. I haven't seen one yet. Uh, but will the addition of Isaiah Simmons, who seems to be playing linebacker, we do know he you know, shared some time at safety as well, do you think he's going to make an impact on Sunday, or will Kittle likely get the best of the rookie? I think he'll try to make an impact, but I, I do think that if they're going to put Isaiah Simmons on George Kittle from the linebacker spot, I think that Kittle's definitely going to win a couple of those matchups. Isaiah Simmons is a really interesting player because he did play you know, 85% of his snaps in either the box, slot, cornerback, or free safety that would have him kind of covering the middle of the field. What the Cardinals didn't do against the Niners and what they didn't do really all year was be very good at covering the middle of the field. But it, it's, if you look at Isaiah Simmons' college tape, you could argue that linebacker was really his weakest spot when you compare him to what he did in the slot or as free safety. So if you're going to play him at arguably his weakest spot and put him up against one of the defenders or one of the, the offensive players that is probably one of the best at their position at tight end in George Kittle, I think that that matchup leans, leans Kittle. I do think last year they had Buda Baker really cover a lot of Kittle. And Buda Baker had a couple of good reps against Kittle. He, of course, got dribbled uh, once or twice uh, on the same <laughs> play. Uh, and, and I think that ultimately, you know, the, the advantage went to Kittle. So I don't know that they're going to have too much of Isaiah Simmons on the um, on Kittle. I think they may still stick with Buda Baker. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think ultimately if if the Cardinals are able to cover the middle of the field, it's going to be with some combination of Baker and Simmons. I just don't know that Simmons is going to be necessarily that guy. Um, I'm excited to see him play, though, because he's an athletic freak. And he is, I think, someone who, if he does turn out and pan out for the Cardinals, it's going to be a very interesting defense to go up against. But I think that especially in his first game out, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down. One player that I can't wait to see on the field, uh, you said Isaiah Simmons for yourself. Mine is Brandon Ayuk. He's among a handful of injuries the Niners are dealing with. Uh, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Ben Garland, Jason Verrett. Uh, but sticking with Ayuk and Samuel, uh, do you believe we're actually going to see Ayuk and Samuel even play on Sunday? And if not, uh, do you think the Niners receiving group is something to be worried about uh, on Sunday? I think that Ayuk is more likely to play than Samuel. I think it would be prudent for the team to be a bit of uh, to to have a bit of caution with Debo Samuel's Jones fracture. It's the same injury that Trent Taylor had, and and those injuries can be tricky, and the the recovery from them can be tricky. So I do think the team might be a bit more cautious with Debo Samuel than they would be with Brandon Ayuk, who's got seemingly kind of run, a run-of-the-mill hamstring injury. I don't know that we're going to see them together during week one. If I had to put my money down on something, I'd say we'd probably see Brandon Ayuk and not Debo Samuel. But even then, I think you've got the return of Trent Taylor, which is seemingly going a little under the radar because we don't have preseason games. But Trent Taylor was was Jimmy Garoppolo's bingy. It was his outlet. It was his his, his you know... Thunder Buddy, when they were played together in 2017, a lot of his catches came on third down on a lot of those underneath quick hitting option routes that Jimmy Garoppolo probably threw a lot of in New England and was a really good, you know, kind of crossover with the Niners when he started playing here. 
in San Francisco. Now, I think that that's going to be something that returns to the offense in 2020. And I think he's probably going to add a little bit of juice. And then you've got, you know, the, the Brandon Ayuk, you've got uh, Kendrick Bourne, who I think is also going to have a pretty good start to the season. Uh, if I were uh, if I were giving you fantasy advice, I would say maybe pick up Kendrick Bourne and then flip him after a couple of weeks when Debo Samuel comes back and sell high when he gets some yards. But <laughs> I, I think that the 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 49ers have never really been a team that have relied or needed to rely so far in San Francisco on, you know, on two or three or four or five really star receivers. They've had two, maybe three. And a lot of that offense is going to go through George Kill. I think Jarek McKinnon is another pass catcher to watch because that that's going to relieve some stress from the wide receivers and also do the thing that Shanahan loves, which is provide a multiple look, provide a, a look that maybe says run when in reality you can split McKinnon out into the slot and actually have that be a pass. So I, I do think that that kind of multiple offense is what Shanahan is really angling after. And that doesn't require a ton of wide receivers. I think you just hit on everything that I talked about last week on the podcast. I talked about how great Trent Taylor was in 2017 with Garoppolo and how I know it's an easy comparison, but Wes Welker in New England, he's now in San Francisco as a receiving coach. Uh, I think there's an obvious connection with Garoppolo and Taylor. They have great chemistry. Uh, Kendrick Bourne flying under the radar somehow. I know the the entire offseason has been, is Samuel going to be healthy? Ayuk's a rookie. Dante Pettis seems like a new man. We'll have to wait and see what he can do in 2020. Uh, we can hope for the best. I, I, I truly believe Shanahan will put all the receivers in a position to succeed. He's not someone... Uh, to, to put a guy out there when they maybe aren't ready or, or he doesn't believe in them. Now, one concern is, does Shanahan believe in somebody? And obviously he didn't believe in Dante Pettis last year. Uh, but I've heard a lot about another rookie, and that's Javon Kinlaw. And I've heard some good things. Trent Williams has talked a lot about him and how he can be defensive player of the year one year, probably not this year, obviously. Uh, but I, I've heard some things where that I, I really didn't like what I heard. And that's not a knock because he's a rookie. He's been training camp. doesn't have preseason snaps to go over things and, and work through. So this offseason has been unlike any other. But I heard Kinlaw is not an every-down player. And now maybe San Francisco is not expecting him to be off the bat, nor would I. But you're when you're replacing DeForest Buckner, does that pressure exist for Javon Kinlaw? And, and what do you expect from him this season knowing he does have to replace DeForest Buckner? So before we get to Kinlaw, I, I want to just wax philosophical about Trent Taylor just a little bit longer because I do think he is to your point <laughs> going under the radar. No, once that 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 we did, because we did a hype episode a couple weeks ago and we talked about the Trent Taylor hype and we went back and looked at his 2017 uh, games with Jimmy Garoppolo. He had 14 catchable passes. He caught 13 of those passes. Ten of them went for a first down or a touchdown. On nine of those targets, he had at least a step of separation. In Jimmy Garoppolo's first start, my dude had six receptions for 92 yards. And over those games with Jimmy Garoppolo, if you look at his PFF receiving grade, it, that 82.7 grade ranked seventh in the NFL. So I'm definitely buying the hype on Trent Taylor as well. Javon Kinlaw, you know, you, you, you're right. You don't hear super positive things. I think Matt Mayoko said that he expected Kinlaw to be a rotational two-down player initially as he developed his pass rush moves. Colton McKivitz, who was someone the Niners drafted, I believe, in the fifth round, his knock in college was his play strength. He didn't really, he didn't really look strong at the point of attack was stonewalling Kinlaw in one-on-one drills. Not really what you want to hear when your non-play strength fifth-round you know, guard who's converting from tackle is stonewalling your first-round 330-pound defensive tackle. I think that all being said, the prior for Javon Kinlaw is that he is a first-round talent who has 
and had the best pass rushing tape of any defensive tackle in the in, going into the NFL last year. When you looked at him and Derek Brown, who were kind of the one-two tackles, Derek Brown was thought of as more of like overall defensive tackle. Javon Kinlaw was thought to be an explosive, really big pass rushing guy. And, and he won with bull rush. He won with power. He won with a couple different moves in college. So that's the prior that we have to operate with, having not seen him in the preseason so far. So I expect Javon Kinlaw to be a three-down player. I expect him to not be as good as DeForest Buckner out of the gate. But DeForest Buckner and uh, even Eric Armstead weren't as good out of the gate as they were just two or three years later. There is going to be a ramp-up period for Javon Kinlaw, and I think we should expect him to have that ramp-up period. Um, but I would, So I would expect the, the level of play to drop from Buckner, um, but I would hope that it would not drop as low um, as, you know, maybe a third, fourth, fifth round defensive tackle. So there's going to be a learning curve, you know, definitely be along for the ride. It's not going to be as good as DeForest Buckner right off the bat. And it may be a year that he needs some seasoning in order for him to get to the place where he's not thinking and playing up to his potential. But I think he's still going to be a good enough player to start along that defensive line at the gate. Looking at the Niners defensive line and even the defense as a whole, I think they can almost blanket or maybe smooth over any mistakes or or learning period Kinlaw has. When you look at it, Eric Armstead had a great season last year. DJ Jones is healthy. The Niners are waiting on Ronald Blair the third to get healthy again. He's in the pup list. Won't see him until at least week seven. And I haven't even mentioned D Ford and Nick Bosa yet. But let's get into Nick Bosa for a quick second here. It's his sophomore year. He won defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Trent Williams again hyped him up, saying he could be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Von Miller got hurt last night, uh, which is horrible, and we hope he gets healthy soon. But what I want to ask you, where does Nick Bosa stand going into 2020 amongst pass rushers, and what do you think Nick Bosa is going to do in his sophomore year? Is he going to break more records? Is he going to improve a ton? Is he going to become the number one pass rusher in the NFL in his sophomore season? I think he can. I think he's already among some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and, and I do think he is going to enter into that really kind of area with uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. I think you look at Joey Bosa, uh, you know, even Chandler Jones, who's a little older, but still is one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. I think that's the kind of the area that you're going to see Nick Bosa in, I think, at the end of the year. He is already fantastic as a rookie, and he's such a technician. I mean, he is... The, he puts on a teach tape clinic just about every time you, that he's rushing the passer. He, just the way that he sets tackles up, the way that he knows when to break inside, how he uses his hands. He is, uh, he, he's got a doctorate. He's a professor of pass rushing already, and it's just his second year. Um, so I do expect him to be one of the top two, three pass rushers in the NFL. And, and that doesn't always mean he's going to have you know, 15, 17, 18 sacks. His ability to pressure the passer and his ability to affect, to affect the pass game doesn't always necessitate ending in a sack. A sack is a good thing to have, and it's certainly a drive killer. But I do think that his ability to pressure the quarterback is still going to help the 49ers. So I expect him this year to be you know, one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. And I think him, you know, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt are going to be up in that area of best pass rushers, especially at their age. And, uh, and I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, the Khalil Mack I would put up there as well. Um, all players that I think are, are amongst the best pass rushing players in the NFL that have to be accounted for, especially on passing downs. He wrecks game plans, and it's just exciting to see him be a 49er and, and get to watch his career from the very beginning. It's definitely hard not to be a Nick Bosa fan. I think everything he does just gets you excited and 
you know, to use kind of a weird word to get you giddy about seeing him every single Sunday or Monday or Thursday whenever he's playing. But whenever he's on the field, you just go, what is Nick Bosa going to do next? One player that the Niners have kind of had a hard time staying on the field is his counterpart, D Ford. And a lot of people don't really understand this, but D Ford is one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL. And if it wasn't for the injuries, I do think maybe not in the conversation with Bosa, both Bosa's to that point, Mack and Miller and TJ Watt and even Miles Garrett, but I think he's he's at the top of some list somewhere, whether it's a tier two guy, maybe even a tier three guy. But I was rewatching the two Arizona games from last year, and to me, D Ford was almost a star of that defense. He was all over the place, two sacks, three tackles for loss. I think he was a key piece in containing Kyler Murray, whether it was on a scramble or even a design run. Uh, would you agree D Ford's health and him being on the field and being a consistent part of the defense, is he going to be an X factor this weekend in beating Arizona? Or is there somebody else on our defense that we should keep our eye on? So I think because of the way the Cardinals play, D Ford is going to be someone who's going to factor a lot. I mean, the Cardinals are going to pass a lot. And if they pass a lot, it means you've got, you're, you're going to have more of your turbo package on the field. I think Ford is going to be the, the person who's got some speed. The thing about D Ford is that I don't know that he is like Bosa in that he, you can put him in just about any situation and expect a pressure. I think D Ford is really going to benefit from having other players pull other pull offensive players away from him and end up being one-on-one on one side of the field. And if the Cardinals end up sliding production or if they still end up with five in protection, which is what you have to have when you've got, you know, four wide receivers and a running back, then all of a sudden you've got D Ford one-on-one and that's when he can begin to dominate. He did that in the first week, I think more so in the week nine game more so than in the week 11 game. But I think he can absolutely wreck the game, especially if he ends up one-on-one because I mean, I don't know that you're going to necessarily devote double resources right off the bat to Javon Kinlaw. Um, but I do think that if you have Eric Armstead kicking inside and you've got him playing inside during more on more snaps because of the fact that the Cardinals are passing, then, you know, D Ford, I think gets more opportunities. So I think that the person to watch out for and the person who may swing the game is going to be Emmanuel Mosley. We talked about him at, at kind of the top of the pod, but there, when you look at where the weakness is and where you might want to attack as an offensive coordinator, you're thinking to yourself, okay, linebackers usually not great in coverage, but the Niners have linebackers that are pretty good in coverage. And, and especially on crossers, which the air raid offenses really love. Uh, I think you've got linebackers in the 49ers that can cover those crossers and, and do so very, very well. You've got Richard Sherman, who is a technician. You're not going to fool him very often. And, and you've got that defensive line who is going to be difficult to really to hold the ball too long against. So really, what does that leave? It leaves the other cornerback position and that's going to be likely Emmanuel Mosley. They haven't announced a starter yet, but it, it's got to be Mosley at this point. And so I think if Mosley has a good game, then you've got another piece of that 49ers defense that's going to be you know, closer to lockdown status, and that's going to make it really difficult for the Cardinals to, to advance the football. And so I think Emmanuel Mosley is going to be the other guy to watch, if, if not for someone like D. Ford. Emmanuel Mosley, surprisingly, and I don't know how, went under the radar maybe even last season, kind of was underappreciated not the Niner fans, but in the NFL, of how good he actually was across from Sherman last year. You didn't hear a lot about him in the offseason. Uh, I would assume he's gotten somewhat better, but I have one final question, and that's something that didn't go unnoticed whatsoever last season uh, and definitely played a key part uh, in the Super Bowl conversation following the loss, and that's Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he's been at the helm of two blown Super Bowls now. They're not entirely his fault, but at what point 
is it imperative that head coach Kyle Shanahan learns from the mistakes from last season, including his play clock mismanagement, whether it be in the Baltimore game, in the Seattle game that was in Santa Clara, and even that first half of the Super Bowl. We know Kittle's uh, P.I. got called back, uh, but there was also some complacency where he wasn't going to call that play unless Jeff Wilson Jr. had that big uh, catch that got them about 15-20 yards. But, but is there a concern, or at what point does Kyle Shanahan have to kind of look back and go, I made some mistakes, I'm going to correct them, and we're going to move forward, and, and we're just going to wreck house in 2020? I think really the only area where Kyle Shanahan can, can serve to improve is, is really in his aggression. And, and aggression, by that I mean going forward on fourth down, especially in high leverage situations, and not, going, and not kicking the field goal. And, and especially when you have a defense as good as the Niners had last year, knowing that if you don't get a fourth and two, when your you know your your offense is inside the opponent's 15 yard line, well, that's just all the more yards for the the other team's offense to to go and, and try to score. So I think that's the place where I think he needs to improve a bit is not rely on the kicking game as much, but instead rely on his offense. And and I think that that other than that, when you look at the way that he schemes, when you look at the the play calling, all of that stuff falls into place. And and I would say he's infinitely more advanced than what we would see from a lot of you know, second, third year head coaches. It's, it's a quibble. Yes. It's one that could cost games. Yes. But it's one overall that I think is, is a really good place to be if you're a 49ers fan, because you've got a head coach that really understands the entire organization uh, beginning to end and, and how to get the most out of players, how to select players that fit his system and then how to maximize their, their talents in his offensive system. And it's something that the Niners haven't had for a long time. So I think that, you know, hopefully that's what he learns from the Super Bowl is going for it more in high leverage situations. But, you know, outside of that, I think Kyle Shanahan, there's nothing else that you need to worry about too much as as a head coach. And and even even coaches that have been in the league for, you know, 15, 20, 30 years are still getting better. They're still growing. I mean, you know, hopefully this isn't the case for Kyle Shanahan. But, you know, Andy Reid was in the league for decades before he won his first Super Bowl. Doesn't mean that he was a bad coach per se. Um, so, you know, I, I know that in the NFL there is, um, you know, and rightfully so to a certain degree, this idea that the ring defines the goodness of the player, the coach, the quarterback, whatever. And, and I think that there is absolutely a world where, you know, fantastically good quarterbacks like Dan Marino or fantastically good coaches like Andy Reid up until last year are very, very good coaches, but don't have rings. Yeah. I think the tough thing with Kyle Shanahan is you witness his greatness every Sunday, almost every play call. You're like, oh my gosh, this, this guy is insane. He's one of the smartest guys in the NFL, and you go, he should have two rings by now. Some Niner fans and myself to a certain point would say, maybe we have to look back and say we made some mistakes or we could have done something different. And I I, I do think Kyle Shanahan is someone that if he plays an opponent a second time, uh, and he really has done a great job in making the adjustments the second time around. But the tough thing is, is you know when you're in February, you're playing in the big one. You don't get a second time around. Uh, but I do want to ask you, this Sunday starts the journey to hopefully that second time around. A lot of Niner fans hope it's Kansas City. They want to get back at them and show them they should have won last season. But this Sunday is where it all starts. I think San Francisco wins 26-20. to I think it's a run-heavy game knowing the injuries the Niners had at receiver, although they're not going to have you know the, the devoted number one, number two guy. I think Mostert, even McKinnon, Coleman, and maybe even Jeff Wilson Jr. will play a large role in this game, if I were to ask you, what is your prediction, uh, and you can give me a score as well, for Sunday's game against Arizona? 
I do think the Niners end up winning. I think they're a better overall team. Um, unless Kyler Murray, you know, kind of goes bonkers and goes out of his mind. I think the Niners are going to end up winning this game. Probably not by, you know, full double digits, but, you know, maybe by uh, seven or, or maybe eight points. So I do think they probably break the 24, 26 point uh, area. So I think that they're they're going to hold the Cardinals to maybe 20, end up with 27 themselves uh, and end up winning the game, something like 27, 20. I like that, Oscar. Thank you for coming on. You can follow Oscar Aparicio on Twitter at Better Rivals. He's a great source for Niners content, a great follow on Twitter. And be sure to check out his podcast, the Better Rival Podcast. It'll be linked down in the description, Oscar. Thank you for joining us this week and enjoy week one of the NFL season. Thank you. Have a good one. Before we send you into week one of the NFL season, I want to reiterate something, and that is how important D Ford is to winning against the Arizona Cardinals. Two sacks, three tackle for losses against Arizona last season. And while he's not the fastest guy on the field, Ford was extraordinary in containing Kyler Murray in the pocket last season. He's my X Factor going into Sunday. If he's healthy and he's active, D Ford is imperative to a 49ers victory. Watch out for the Robert Sala, Cliff Kingsbury connection. How is the defensive coordinator for the Niners going to match up against the head coach slash OC for Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury? It was a huge deal, especially in game two of last year. That battle is going to be awesome. Everybody, guess what? The 2020 49ers season is here. I don't know what you're going to do this weekend. It's been a long time coming. We know 2020 has been one of the weirdest, craziest, horrible, best years ever, depending on who you're talking to. But be safe this weekend. Have fun. And let's kick the crap out of the Arizona Cardinals and start the revenge tour off right with a 1-0 start. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.